are listening to the Embrace Church podcast. To learn more about Embrace Church, including additional messages, resources, and how to connect, visit us online at embracecanton.church. Today's message comes from Brandon Dassinger. Well, hey, everyone. If you are joining us for the first time today, we are so glad that you could be a part of the service. Uh, Today, we are starting a new series called Fully Known. And uh, it's my prayer that over the next few weeks, as we read God's word together, that some of you will experience transformation. Because what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is looking at some incredible verses, uh, some incredible truths, where we look at our identity and what God says about who we are. Because here's the deal. Uh, How you live is primarily shaped by the way you view yourself. Uh, The way you see yourself shapes the way you see the world, the way you see people, the way you treat people. And so we want to talk about what God has to say about who we are, not allow the world to define who we are, not allow other people, but to allow God's word and God's truth to define the way we look at ourselves. Now, a lot of us, when we look back on our past, uh, some of us see mainly positive memories. Some of us, when we look at back on our past, we see a lot of regret. Uh, for most of us, when we look back on our past, it's a mixed bag of good and bad. And this is why sometimes when you're going through life and you meet someone from your past, it can be super awkward. And I know some of you are watching that uh, there are certain people that you want to avoid, that you don't want to see them again because it brings back memories of pain or regret. Like you don't really want to see certain people, so you try to avoid seeing those folks. You know, I can remember just a few years ago, uh, someone contacted me through Facebook and they friend requested me and they said, hey, uh, I'm not sure if you remember me, but we met a few years ago and uh, my wife uh, knows you from when you were younger. And so I did not recognize his name. I looked her up. I didn't recognize her name. And so I was immediately scrambling about when did she know this younger me and which version of me was that? Did she know like grade school me, which was probably pretty good? Uh, Did she know the like middle school punk version of me where you're like, you're trying to be cool, but you don't know what you're doing? Uh, Did she know like the Pharisee version of me from high school, like right after I became a Christian and where I thought I knew everything about everything? Uh, Which version of me did she know? Uh, For a lot of us, you know, we're no longer who we are in our teenage years, thankfully, but we're not who we want to be exactly. We're still a work in progress. And so let me ask you a question today. Uh, do you really believe that people can change? Um, and if you're honest with yourself, you think about some people and you think some people can't change because you've experienced a lot of broken promises. Uh, you've had a lot of people let you down in life. Or maybe if you think about yourself, you don't really believe you can change. Uh, maybe you've made promises to yourself that you'll never do that thing again, but then you do it again. Or maybe there's something that you've left at the altar over and over again, only to pick it up over and over again. Maybe there's a certain struggle or addiction or sin in your life that you've been trying to overcome for years and you just can't do it. And so maybe you believe other people can change, but maybe you doubt whether or not you can really change. You know, I heard another pastor say one time that bad assessments lead to bad outcomes. And sometimes we have a bad assessment of ourselves, like we just have a view of ourselves that is controlling the way that we're living in the present. And so maybe, just maybe, you have a faulty view of yourself and it's leading to faulty decisions. And maybe just maybe uh, you're living in such a way that is not necessary. Maybe you're allowing your past to dictate your present. 
And if that's you today, I want to share with you some good news. I want to share with you a story from Scripture, a story from the New Testament from a man named Saul. Now, if you know about Saul, you'll know that he was a, a very popular religious leader. Uh, he was a part of the group of the Pharisees, uh, the most conservative and religious and popular uh, group in his community. And so Saul uh, hated Christians. Saul actually persecuted people in the faith. The first time we meet uh, Saul is in Acts, Acts chapter 9, where it says that Stephen, a Christian, was being dragged through the city by the religious leaders. They drag him out of the city, and then they stone him to death, meaning they threw rocks at him until he died. And the scriptures tell us that as they're stoning him, that Saul was a witness to this. And that after Stephen is stoned to death, that they all, all these religious people lay their coats at the feet of Saul, signifying that he was the one in the authority and control of the situation. Now, I don't want us to gloss over the story. I want you to imagine what it would be like to see a person pelted with rocks until they die. And then I want you to ask the question, what kind of man would be okay with that? What kind of man could see someone get hit with rocks until they die and support that kind of action? Well, Saul would be that kind of man. That's who Saul was. In fact, he doesn't stop after that. The Bible says that he then goes on to persecute Christians. He goes on to city to city, community to community, arresting Christians, going into doors, uh, putting them in jail, putting them in prison. He's persecuting them over and over again. And again, that begs the question, what kind of man goes around arresting people, putting people in jail, splitting families apart, knocking down doors? What kind of person enjoys doing that? Well, this was Saul, and Saul uh, continues to do this. In fact, the Bible says that he starts going to other countries to round up Christians. This is how determined Saul was. But then God, and that's a big, big truth, but then God intervened in his life. It says in Acts 9, as he is on his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians, it says that he was blinded by heavenly light. And once he's blind, Jesus speaks to him and he says, you need to go into the city and await my instructions. And so Saul's obedient to this vision and he goes into the city and he waits for the instructions from Jesus. And while he's waiting, the Bible notes that he refuses to eat or drink. Now, why was Saul refusing to eat or drink? Well, it's probably because he was shook. See, Saul had experienced an uh-oh moment in his life a moment where he started to realize that he was wrong, where for the first time in his life, he realized that he was missing it and that the things that he was doing in the life that he was leading was not right. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an uh-oh moment in your life. I can remember mine. It wasn't quite as dramatic as Saul's, but I can remember when I started going to a youth group in ninth grade. And it was in this youth group where I realized for the first time that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Now, it's weird to explain because I never considered myself not a Christian. It's just that I didn't really think about God much at all. It's just that my life revolved around me and there really wasn't room for anybody else. But I remember it was in the context of this youth group where I saw people my age who really prayed. And they talked about Jesus like they really knew him. And they read the Bible and they were excited about what God was teaching them. And it was in this context where I had an uh-oh moment where I realized I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. I really realized for the first time that um, my friends had something that I didn't have and now I wanted. And I realized for the first time that I was lost. 
But it was this uh-oh moment that would eventually lead to my salvation. And so this is Saul. He's having his uh-oh moments sitting there. Now, eventually, the Bible tells us that God sends a man named Ananias to go meet with Saul. And so he goes to Saul and he talks to him and he prays over him and he baptizes him. And the Bible says that Saul immediately turns his life around. He actually starts proclaiming the faith that he once was trying to destroy. And then God gives Saul a new name. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. And Paul would eventually become the greatest church planter in history. He would plant churches and spread the gospel from country to country all around the world. He became this amazing evangelist. And eventually, Paul ends up writing more than half of our New Testament. Quite a change. Quite a difference that God would make in this life of Saul, changing him from Saul to Paul. It's this amazing gift, and his life would never be the same. Now, it's typical in scriptures to see someone's name changed. We actually see that all throughout the Bible because a change in your name and a change in your identity. Now, what's interesting is that the name Paul is not actually the the coolest name in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, The name Paul actually just means small. All right, so this wasn't the greatest name in the world, but I think his name would constantly be a reminder that God can take small people and he can do big things through small people. That God can take what seems foolish to the world and he can use them to shame the wise. That God can use unlikely vessels to do unlikely things. And this is good news for you and for me because all of us are unlikely people. And so, Paul experiences this change in his life. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 9, I've got to assume that at that point, who's still Saul, while he's sitting there in the city of Damascus waiting for an instruction from the Lord, I'm assuming that Saul is assuming that he's about to get punished, that something bad's really about to happen to him, because quite frankly, he deserved it. He deserved God's wrath. He deserved God's punishment. And I'm guessing that's what Saul was assuming was about to happen. And yet instead, God offers him grace. God offers him a new name, a new identity, a new purpose, and a new mission. And so Paul would never be the same again. And if you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, you can tell that he is a guy who never quite got over the grace of God in his life. He could never stop talking about it. He could never stop preaching about it. He was always going from city to city proclaiming that God's love and God's grace is for all people, because Paul had experienced him, experienced this himself. And that brings us to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to just read a few verses, but what I want you to know is this is Paul writing a letter to a church, and in chapter 1, it's all about God's grace. It's all about what God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about chapter 1 is that if you look at it in the original language, it's one long run-on sentence. There's no punctuation. There's no periods. It's the most grammatically incorrect sentence in the entire Bible. Like an English teacher would have a field day with it. But here's what I think happened. And I don't know this for sure. But what I think happened is as Paul starts writing this letter and he's writing about all the good things that God has done for us, all the good things that God has done for him, he just got, he just lost sight of what he was writing. He lost sight of punctuation. There was no time for commas or periods because he's just sharing how amazing and how good God really is. And so I want to share from you from Ephesians 1, and I'm just praying and hoping that these verses will just speak truth over your life this morning. This is Ephesians 1 verse 3. Paul writes, Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his goodwill and plan and to honor his glorious grace that he has given to us freely through the son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his son's blood and we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. God revealed his hidden design to us, which is according to his goodwill and the plan that he intended to accomplish through his son. Now, all throughout this message, we've been talking about what kind of man uh, could kill people and persecute people and jail people. What kind of person uh, could Saul be to do all of these things? Well, let me ask you a different question. What kind of God can change a Saul into a Paul? What kind of God can do that? Well, it's the same kind of God that can change you. It's the same kind of God that can give you a new name, a new purpose, a new identity. Over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're just going to pour into the book of Ephesians, Paul's amazing letter to this church, as we think about what it looks like for God to uh, make us fully His, and what it looks like for God to speak truth into our identity. Because again, who you are shapes the way you live. And again, I know all of us, we look back on our past and there are things that we regret. There are people in our past that we would rather not see, that we would rather avoid. I'm sure that was the same for Paul. But what I love about Paul is he never allowed his past to dictate his future. God gave him a new name, and he was never going to be the same again. And so I want to just remind you, brothers and sisters, this good news uh, that God can take the unlikely and he can do amazing and unlikely things through them. That God can take the small people of this world and he can use us for his big plans. That God in his goodness and grace can change who we are and therefore he can change the way we live. Now what I want us to do for the next few moments is Abby's going to lead us in a song that just talks about uh, the love of Jesus and his grace over our lives. And so I just want you to spend a few moments just in prayer, just in receiving this. Uh, maybe you want to think about God's grace in your life and the amazing ways that he's forgiven you and the way that he has transformed your life and forgiven your past. Uh, maybe you want to read through Ephesians 1 while she sings this song over us. Uh, whatever it is, just take this time uh, to really meditate and reflect on God's grace in your life. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, I just pray that as Abby leads us in this song, Lord, I just pray that in this moment we might receive your goodness. Uh, Lord, that we might treasure your grace, that you would remind us of who we are in Christ, that we are loved, we are chosen, we are adopted we are a part of your family and we are loved by you. Lord, I just pray for anyone watching right now that they would not allow this world to shape their identity, that they would not allow their past to define their future, but Lord, that you would give them the strength and the faith to trust in you and that, Lord, you've given us a new name, a new identity that's wrapped in our relationship with you. Lord, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, please make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast. For additional messages and resources, visit us online at embracecanton.church. 
Thank you for joining in with us today on the Embrace Church podcast. 